it wasn't until my kids got a lot older that I realized like, even though I was still in a growth environment, we did a lot of conscious parenting. I had stopped transforming myself. I had really pulled myself back and was playing it safe and kind of taking the coach role and helping other people and really had stopped exploring for myself. So that's what led me into my second master's, but then eventually my doctorate to explore that. Like, wow, what, why was that so hard? What happened? And this concept that emerged from that was rewriting the mother code. Hey, this is Chad Namiro. And I'm Kelly Namiro. Welcome to the Balancing Chaos podcast. A lifestyle podcast where we will interview guests about wellness, business, and just about everything in between. Our goal is to help you develop a lifestyle that promotes health, wholeness, and success. Through our conversations, we hope to inspire you to live a beautiful, full, and joyful life as you navigate balancing the chaos. We hope you enjoy. Dr. Gertrude Lyons is a professional life coach with over 20 years of experience. She is focused on exploring, demystifying, and democratizing the maternal power that lives in all of us. Maternal power or the power of the feminine energy is in receiving and creativity. Feminine energy is not just for women, but in some something that we all should possess. It's the power to birth something new into this world, product, art, a company, the list goes on and on. And because of this, she believes that mothering is inclusive of all genders and and so that collectively we can rebirth a nuanced focus on the concept of what it means to be a mother. Motherhood is a transformational journey that all can take to empower love and love of oneself holistically. So together, she wants us to all start this new conversation around motherhood. And we're going to talk a lot about that today, but we're also going to talk about how we know Dr. Gertrude Lyons. She was our relationship coach for a while, starting back in 2020. And so we're very excited to kind of go into that and talk about relationships and what red flags might be and how to connect more deeply as a couple. Without further ado, welcome Dr. Gertrude Lyons. Thank you for being with us. Oh my gosh, this thank you both so much for making this happen and inviting me on. It's it's truly a, a thrill and pleasure. It's good to see you. It's been, it's you been too. too long. Just talking <laughs> no, about no. Yeah. <laughs> so we know, but tell us how you, you know, for our audience and our listeners, how you sure. kind of got into coaching, coaching couples, coaching women. How did that all begin for you? All right. Well. I won't take the whole podcast to talk about my journey, but I'll give some highlights because, you know, I think hearing each other's stories and how, you know, these paths, because I I definitely didn't start my career as a life coach. I actually graduated with a degree in finance and accounting and did 10 years as an economic analyst in personal injury and wrongful death um, litigation. Yeah. So a little different. But so interesting, the cross sections, because my boss, when I got engaged to be married, mm-hmm. what will be, let's see, I think we're celebrating thir- 33 years in June. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, I know. Thank you. It's something I'm actually I'm most proud of um, in my life. But he suggested getting doing premarital coaching or counseling. At that time, yeah. coaching wasn't such a thing, but, you know, doing premarital kind I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I'm in my twenties. Like I found this guy, I love him. And you know, this is just going to be amazing. And you know, he's smart, successful, like, you know, it had all of those pieces to it, but something kind of nuggled inside me. And I'm like, well, yeah, but maybe like we have had some communication issues mm-hmm. and, oh, then if I really look and, you know, I started thinking about, and the realization that 
both of us came from divorced families. You know, there was alcoholism on both sides of the family. It's like, hmm, you know, if those were our models, I had some stroke of insight, even at that naive time to say like, gosh, maybe there is some, talking to someone wouldn't be the worst thing to like learn a little bit about how to do this and not end up like our parents. So that's, mm -hmm. so we did. So we started on that journey and that kind of like kicked off a whole like, you know, it's now been a, a, a whole lifetime of, dedication to personal growth, our couple. And over that 10 years where I was working as an analyst, I did my own, you know, I was doing my own work. We were as a couple, we started leading groups for other couples, you know, these things just kind of happen. And the work I was doing, even in litigation, I was in contact with people and I'm applying what I'm learning to people that had wrongful injuries and, mm. and um, dealing with, you know, these traumatic things. And I was applying what I was learning. I'm like, I really like this, like the numbers thing, eh, you know, Yeah. do I want a PhD in economics? No, <laughs> definitely don't. So if I'm going to go somewhere, it's in that end. And that's also when I, we um, decided to start a family and, you know, little kids came on the scene. I'm like, yeah, I think it's time for a change. So that's when I went back to school, got my first master's degree in psychology, started coaching just, you know, part-time and then you know, worked as a family on some of these principles and what it means to explore and, and work on yourself and self-awareness stuff as a family. But I realized that while I did a really great job of that, when it was just the two of us in a couple, I like led the way as a couple and, you know, we're going to rock the boat and things. But when kids came along, I started really backing off and a lot more fear came up for me around the vulnerability of what it means to you know, keep, stay on your edge and a lot more was at stake. So it wasn't until my kids got a lot older that I realized like, even though I was still in a growth environment, we did a lot of conscious parenting. I had stopped transforming myself. I had really pulled myself back and was playing it safe and kind of taking the coach role and helping other people and really had stopped um, exploring for myself. So that's what led me into my second master's, but then eventually my doctorate to explore that. Like, wow, what, why was that so hard? What happened? And this concept that emerged from that was rewriting the mother code. Like yeah. what was encoded in me that allowed me to go a certain distance, but then, you know, really, really kind of pull back okay. on that. So, yeah. yeah. So exploring that and, you know, since finishing my doctorate, then it's, this has been my passion and mission, you know, to work with women, but to keep working with couples, because that's was my beginnings, you know, I really see so much value in that. And then, you know, whether, uh, you know, you have children or not, there's a lot to work on as a couple, and we're not trained, right? We don't, you know, grow up, we don't go to school for that. We're just supposed to know, but really, all, the only training we had was our own upbringing. So I'll stop there. That kind of gives you, does that yes. get, us, get us going well enough? That's fabulous. I think that before we jump into the mother code, cause that even is like, you know, as you said, like the secondary kind of like part when you got your doctorate and all of that, and we definitely want to jump into that. One of the things that Chad and I wanted to talk about was our relationship and how you coached us. And in a time sure. that was kind of challenging for us, it was COVID. We had a, just had our first child. I was just starting my job. Um, and we had thought at the beginning that I was going to be a stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of change all at once. But what you said that had come up with you know, your husband at the beginning of your marriage communication um, yeah. was also an issue for us because Chad is a person who's direct and I'm a person who is conflict avoidant um, or was 
you know, in the past where we definitely worked on it and are still working on it. Is communication something that you see as an issue for a lot of different couples? It probably would be at the the top of the list of, of what people say. It's like, you know, even when like so much is great, but I just feel like we could communicate better. And, you know, that's a broad term and it takes yeah. some unpacking to look at like, well, what do you want to communicate more about? But it leads the way and opens the door, like to know that there's, there's even, you know, when things are going decently or well, like there's something more, like something's missing and, and mm-hmm. we're missing each other in some of our communication in some ways. And that's, you know, a great place to start even to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. you know, and to acknowledge that we want that to be better. Yeah. Do you see a lot of couples come to you when they start having kids? I'm sure you've seen it across all areas of, or, or across the spectrum rather of the the timeline. But do you, do you see a lot of people start to struggle with these things as they have kids and kind of enter that period of their yeah. life? Yeah. Well, and I think you're, you know, you're, you're naming something broader, which is transitions, right? Yeah. Like my husband and I came in when we got married, we saw, yeah. Yeah. You know, an opportunity there that was like, you know, kind of presented itself. A next big transition then is, you know, everything from like the choice, you know, I've worked with couples like deciding if they're going to have kids and yeah. Yeah. what that means to them. And that's a, a can be a huge exploration. You know, I worked with you guys, but just recently started working with a couple. They, they're on, they're just had their fourth child. Oh my gosh. And they're like, one, was, we saw you when we had our first, because that was like huge and big. You know, but we did pretty well with second and third, but four, uh, we need, you know, we need to talk again. <laughs> Such <laughs> is my concern. Well, yeah, I want four, <laughs> so we talk about it. And I think that, like, I think that is, a like, all of the transitions and times of change are, they're, they not are challenging, but they can be challenging because change is really uncomfortable for people. Yeah. And so it seems like a really appropriate time for someone to want to come to see you. And so like for, uh, for anyone out there, that's like a, a, you know, in a relationship and who feels like they need, like, let's just focus on the communication piece. Like if there was like one tangible tip that you could give them or two, like really good tips, like where, where do they start? When I'm working with somebody and like, where, you know, that first comes up, it's really to kind of sit down with each other and look at like, what, what do you like about your communication and, and how it's like? going and what do you not like, right? Like yeah. what's working? Cause you want to like always have a positive aspect to it. Like, what can we celebrate? Like what, what works in our relationship and what, you know, what works with our communication. So you're not coming in at just as a deficit, give each other space, give each person like two to five minutes to just talk about both, right? Like right. a couple of minutes on what would, what do you not like? And then and open a share on like what you don't like and don't interrupt them, you know, because mm-hmm. it's easy when these things start coming up to like get defensive immediately or, you know, kind of want to minimize and that's natural, right? That's, right. It, it's going to happen. But if you can give each other space to just start with that sharing, what do I like? What don't I like? And then, you know, from there, sometimes you immediately see some pathways of like, oh, okay, we both don't like that. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, what's something that maybe we can do about that. Right. Like, and then, uh, um, we, you know, it kind of goes from there. I think that's a big one because for those listening that haven't done coaching or therapy as a couple, I think what's really important, or at least was for me is that third party kind of is a really positive intermediary. And yes. I was literally just thinking the same thing. It's like, sometimes you might not be open 
to feedback, but when there's somebody mm -hmm. else in the mix who's sitting there and like listening to both of you, yeah. you're so much more receptive to what the other person might be saying and how you guys yeah. can start to make it work versus getting, I mean, I know this is one of my biggest things. Like I'm so defensive. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it, having you with us, you know, that was, the, that was probably one of the most helpful things. Um, besides all the tools you provided, it's just like, which has like that positive intermediary. Well, you just get into these cycles, I feel like, and you tend to, or I assume, and you could tell us, but yeah, tend to fight about the same things and you get in this yeah, like pattern cycle <laughs> yeah. and there's really no <laughs> outcome and the circle's right. not complete. Yeah, the same. Do you, you see that like, with people? Like they have the oh, same totally. argument over yep, and over again. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's so I think I think for for us you helped kind of really resolve some of the roots of some of that yeah. and help provide sure. some resolution and offer some tools. And so anyway, yeah. It, it was a was really fun. great experience for us. I think that one of the things that I had a question about was like, you talked about that, that family that has four kids. It's like, and anyone with kids, it's like probably one of the biggest things you see <laughs> when you're coaching couples with kids is that they, they it's a hard to make time for each other because mm -hmm. especially if you're working, then you have the kids. It's like, when do you squeeze each other in? Yeah. Is your recommendation, and I know this answer, but I want to hear you say it for the audience, <laughs> to actually create clear-cut times for each other? Um, or like, do you think that it's okay to kind of just let it all float on? Yeah. Well, the answer is yes, clear-cut times. Um, and there's, you know, within that, you can have the, the, the floating. But when you have some structure to play within and, and you guys, you two as a couple or the couple knows that like we have a date night every week, you mm -hmm. know, and we're, or, or a date breakfast, you know, the, there's yeah. one or two times that we've dedicated and set aside and set appointment on our calendar. And we know yeah. even in the craziness of a week with chips in the night, we're going to have that time. Like, obviously you want to then, you know, build from there, but that creates a lot of security knowing that, you know, a month isn't going to go by and we've hardly communicated because yeah. I think I probably shared this statistic and this is old and it's probably gotten worse with, with electronics. Cause this was before we were on electronics, but the um, average amount of time that a couple spends in one week in a week's time talking about something other than logistics or the like day-to-day -day stuff and like just real talk is 17 minutes. Are you kidding me? No, that's the average. That's oh, the average amount. My yeah. gosh. That, right. that is so <laughs> sad. It's startling, right? And then, but then when you look at it, you see like, yeah, I can see how that happened. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then and then the same, and I think we talked about this too, and now you have two, and it expands from there, that the kids that you each set up time, like they have- Alone time. You know, we were just talking about that yep, yesterday. They get little, I don't know if you should call them dates, but I am i don't have a problem with that. I said that to somebody like, I don't know, should you call it a date? I'm like, why not? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it could be, you know, a, a longer time once a week, like an hour, it doesn't have to be a whole afternoon or anything. It'd be 15 sure. minutes, but they know, you know, whether you decide to do that daily or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, whatever you can fit in that they know you're going to put everything aside and you get some focused time together. It, quantity isn't always the, the measure it's, you know, it really is the quality and how present am I, you know, in the interaction and same on your own dates with each other, right? Yeah. You're, it's easy to kind of get even, you know, my husband and I have found this, uh, we'll get in a rut of like, well, we'll go to a movie or our date is, you know, yeah. 
basically not talk to each other, but we're yeah. together. Um, and yeah. so, you know, we have to watch out for all those things. You have to have some time in there where you're, where you're actually uh, sharing with each other. That's what I said. Cause we were going to do, so we, we're back on doing that again this year. Um, mm-hmm. We're doing Friday mornings um, because that's when we have a nanny and we're doing a workout class. And I was like, look, like oh. we can do a, like a workout class, but we have to go and get like a smoothie or go do yes. something afterwards where we actually have time to like totally. talk to each other. I'm uh, And you that. can put those together, right? You got to like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. find the intersection and we're so busy and we're trying to pack it all in, but uh, you know, hundred percent. It's like, but we we're going to be intentional about the drive if we're going somewhere. And if we're not, then yeah. we have to create that space, you know, somewhere in the house or that where we, we sit down and, and are together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. You got to set up the right scaffolding for the whole thing as well. Like you have to be very deliberate about your phones and, and, and all those things because Mm -hmm. it's human. Well, sadly, I think it's kind of human nature at this point that you gravitate towards your phone and Mm -hmm. you know the dopamine hits that they provide. And so, yeah, you do need to be deliberate about what you do and you know, what you potentially won't talk about. Maybe it's like, we won't talk about work. We won't talk about, like you said, logistics, that stuff's yeah, it's tough. You got to be very, <laughs> I know. about it. It's well, do you just remember like doing an hour together? It's like, no, what the exactly. Entail? We can offer this too. Cause I, I sure we worked on this some and it's an easy one. I know that like with dates to go back and forth and, but do you remember the five, five, uh, yeah. the five minutes, five minutes, um, yeah. you know, that habit, because who doesn't have 10 minutes in our day? Right. Like, yeah. but it still takes, I, people always think like, yeah, we'll do that. No big deal. It, it's still a thing because it means you're going to sit, you know, and, and be with each other. And that, so to say specifically, you know, for the audience, what yeah. we do when that is, you know, you set aside 10 minutes somewhere and it can be on the phone. It can be, it does, does, this doesn't have to be face-to-face. The important thing is that literally you set a timer for five minutes and one person gets to just talk and, yeah. but you, you hold kind of the same rule. You don't get to just like diary your day. I mean, you can talk about your day, but some things of note from it and yeah ideally we start weaving in emotions and feelings about the day and and some things along those lines and then but that you don't talk about the other person that's one of the ground rules this isn't a time to like dump on your partner like because they (laughs) aren't allowed to talk back um because that person has to stay silent like that you can have other conversations about but in this time it really is about you and and sharing and you know, my husband and I go in and out of it, but you know, when we do it consistently, it's, it doesn't seem like a lot, but that just knowing that every day, again, like the date, it brings security. It allows you to like have some, some, um, you know, touch points and, and you feel connected like through the week in that way. I think that that is definitely, definitely something that that's helpful. I feel like one of the big things that we did with you two was kind of like go back and explore like childhood wounds and how, and I know you do that yeah. in the mother code too. And like yeah, how that exactly. can impact, you know, how you then act as a mother, but it can mm-hmm. also impact how you then are in a relationship. So can you talk a little bit about that um, and, you know, what types of things might impact like someone's communication style or if someone's triggered yeah. in a, a way um or their argumentation style yeah that stuff yeah is, well you mentioned really interesting because yeah, totally. when we kind of discovered those things about each other it allowed us 
to hold more space and compassion mm. for each other. I think when we did, you know, yeah. one of us did get triggered. Does that yeah. sound right? It goes yeah. to shit sometimes when we're fighting, but don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's, <laughs> it's the after, you know, it's kind of like the post game, like, all right, now we can actually talk about this um, yeah, right. and get to that vulnerability. And I think that's what you're talking about, you know, Kelly, as you're bringing that up. And I was going to say the same thing. It's, you know, yes, I'm in rewriting the mother code. We want to look at where our programming, right? Because we're, we're born into a family, um, you know, the first two years of life, like our wiring is, well, even pre even conception, even preconception somewhat, you know, there's studies that show, you know, the, the wiring that's happening mm -hmm. is informing, you know, ourselves and this little being like what we can expect of the world and what we can expect, you know, what the world we we think the world expects for us. Is it a safe place? Is it, you know, yeah. the so many of those dynamics are wired in and that's pre-verbal. So that's, that's down, you know, deep in the unconscious, but we can still, you know, when we kind of then get language and look at like the family atmosphere, we can start looking at like, how did our family operate? You know, mm -hmm. what, how did, how did mom and dad, if there, you know, if it was a mom and dad family or just the people I was around, how did they interact? What were, what were their conflict relationship styles? Obviously on some of the, you know, kind of more traumatic ends, like rageful, you know, fighting, but even, you know, some people are like, I just felt like my family was fine. And then, you know, you start digging and you're like, well, because everybody was passive aggressive or, yeah. you know, we didn't, you know, we avoided conflict, but it, it would leak out in these ways. And, you, you know, if you're, it's a, you know, I, it's a courageous journey to start digging into those places. But as the two of you were saying, once, once you access some of that and then with each other, you share that it's like, oh, okay. So yeah, when you speak to me in that tone, that brings me, I'm right back talking to my father for, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is necessarily YouTube, but, um, you know, I'm right back there with a, a tone of voice and he may have even just a modicum of the same tone as, as a right. parent, but it doesn't matter. Like that, our system, you know, is your gets nervous triggered system. in the same yeah. way. You're just right back there as a three-year-old, five-year-old, nine-year-old, you know, hearing that. So then you totally lose your partner. Like they're not even there. And that person has become mom or dad. Um, and we might not catch that in the moment, you know, of the fight, but sometimes, uh, you know, that, that even happens to me, that's the beauty of conflict, right? We have yeah. this stuff. It's kind of intent. There's it's built into what it means to be a couple, but it's more like if we don't go those layers deeper and explore, then that's when the pattern starts, right? It's like, well, every time, like I do this, you know, the other one reacts this way. And then we're like, right in it. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm defensive. I'm this and that. So, yeah. Um, and then, so then it's the same with rewriting the mother code, right? Like that's, it is that, that initial wiring is what we first want to explore. And then we go back to that same question. What did I like about how, you know, things went in my family? What didn't I, and that can be the beginning of that conversation with yourself. And then it, the exploration can go as deep as you want it to go. How many of your clients are actually aware of these things in their childhood versus it being more like embedded in their subconscious like i'm sure with sessions and uh investigation yeah. you know they can realize a lot of these things but i feel like a lot of people probably aren't too aware of that or they've developed no. mechanisms to avoid, avoid it yeah 100 percent, you know and that's what our defense mechanism when you say like i just get defensive in the you know if if chad would i 
take as a criticism, then I'm like off to the races and defensiveness. Right. Those were <laughs> yes. behaviors in our childhood that, you know, worked for us. Like as kids, yeah. we're coming up with this myriad of behaviors to deal with, you know, the, the ups and downs, ins and outs of the family. And they work for us because we're wired at that time for survival, right? Like how yeah. do I not make mom and dad go away or, you know, like right. or for attention or, you know, how I got, you know, how I felt like I could get love and attention, you know, we, and some of them are, you know, work even as an adult, but a lot of them don't. don't. They're, yeah. <laughs> um, that's the rewiring we need to do. And then we need to practice new behaviors and try, you know, having these different conversations like we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but you, I didn't answer your question, Chad. You said, yes. Also, um, yeah, most people know, you know, Gosh, uh, there's statistics on it. Like it's in the nineties of anyone who, you know, just kind of comes to it on their own of mm -hmm. like, gosh, I bet I was, I, I was wired this way or, you know, has some insight into it, but it, they might read something that kind of triggers, you know, pricks that forum or, you know, talk to somebody and people that come to me can cover the whole gamut. It's like, especially a couple, right. It might be like, well, you know, my husband or my wife like thinks we have a problem. Like I think everything's great, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> and well, let's talk about what's great, but then, you know, we'll start the exploration in that way. And, you know, and then we have so many um, stigmas around coaching or yeah. talking about these things. Like, you know, well, you only do that if you have a real problem, problem. Or like something, right? Like yeah. what's wrong with you? Like, you know, you should just know how to do this. And that's just so disempowering and, Silly, I don't feel like you, know? I, you really, I, for me, until I started doing coaching, whether it was personal coaching that I did, um, mm -hmm. or, or coaching for our relationship, like, I feel like I did not have self-awareness around anything around how I acted I around how much anxiety I was holding on to around why I was acting the way that I was like, and yes, I meditate and yes, but like this, the deep self-awareness around like why you're doing the things you're doing, I feel like comes from somebody kind of guiding you. Yeah. Through that. Well, and having a safe place that that's a, you know, that's kind of scary territory to go in on your own. Right. Like yeah. I, I, I think it's hugely courageous when anyone like decides to start that exploration, yeah. you know, it's um, our inner landscape, you know, we could, you know, climb a mountain and that's risky and dangerous, but I think this is right up there, you know, in the same league. I think as humans, we'd like to believe that we're adults and we've crafted our own values and we are the way we are uh, and we're not going to change. And that's way. just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, do you yeah. agree with the philosophy? I generally think that this is really broad. So, you know, bear with me, but most mm -hmm. men end up being like their dads in specific ways. And most women end up being like their moms, the good and the bad. They tend to take a little bit of both. Like, I don't know, maybe when you get a little older, I just see it. So oh often. yeah. Like we, we definitely, you know, it's, and it's something in this rewriting the mother code um, that I always like to bring up too. It's, you know, when you're looking at it without this exploration, we either kind of just flow in the river of doing things exactly like our parents did. And like, yeah. that was great. <laughs> or we react to it. I'm going to not be mom or I'm not going to not be dad. So there's yeah. that, you know, there is that aspect, but yeah. And in that, not, you know, I'm not going to be my parent when you do see yourself like saying something that your parents said, it's like, Oh my God, like what's happening here? You know? Cause yeah. 
it's going to happen, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so wired in us and we're, and then we can notice it and like, oh, do I want to keep, you know, saying that or, you know, being that way. And it's, it can be, you know, like you being more like your dad, Kelly being more like her mom and it's both. Right. And I'm saying that because, you know, as a couple, when I, cause we, we marry people like our parents that have qualities like our parents, even if yeah. consciously we thought we married somebody nothing like our parents yeah it's still going to be there right it's we can't help ourselves it's the programming so strong but that's a gift um is so you're I saying that like that's... chad married someone like his mom or that has certain right. qualities or like i has have certain qualities chad has certain yes. qualities of my dad yeah okay. and your mom so that's what i was going to say is like uh, in my husband i see i see qualities you know positive and negative of both my parents and my husband, you know, um, for sure, you know, and, um, very interesting. Yeah. And that surprised me because at first it felt more obvious, like ways he was like my dad. Um, but as we, you know, continued and exploring, it's like, wait a second, there you're, you're acting like that, just like my mother and you're triggering me. Like, you know, We're going to have to have a whole conversation about this after we get off the podcast. If I had to like guess, you're probably like consciously looking for the things that like you don't want that you saw in your parents. Yeah. And like subconsciously you're being gravitated towards Towards like like all of it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah, it is. And, and we have this magic, I call it magical, like way of like, because we'll even present ourselves, you know, this is all like evolution or whatever, I, I think, but um that uh will will in the dating and you know and in kind of early stages that stuff doesn't show up right right away right mm-hmm. like the the not mom or dad shows up more evidently because i think if it didn't we we might we might catch on like wait a yeah. second yeah. like this person i'm not you know i don't like those things yeah. we we it's not till we get like in that commitment and really in it it's like that um yeah. I'm going to say the work really begins. Then everything starts. And that's when you'll hear people say like, you're not the man I married, you know, or you're yeah. not the woman I married. It's like, no, I, I am. It's just the real, the real stuff starts showing up. Starts and to surface. I mean, that's when the real work, and I've meant to mention this earlier, like around transitions and this isn't a bad thing, you know, and these transitions or these dynamics that, that come to the surface, it's not like the goal is to try and not have that happen. It's that, you know, can we learn tools to learn and grow from them, you know, and uh, yeah, because no one is going to stay the same in a marriage forever. Yeah, you're going to evolve as a person and the person has or not has to, but hopefully it does evolve with you. Well, and alongside you. Yeah. And you might have, I think you asked this question early on, Chad, uh, you know, what, or maybe it was before we started recording, sorry. uh, But kind of, you know, what, what are some things that like, make a relationship work or are there signs like early on and something like that? I would say that's one of them. Best quality and worst quality. (laughs) Yeah. The best quality I would say hands down is uh, openness to growth, a growth mindset, like someone that's willing to like, you know, that that each other are willing to at whatever pace, whatever level, but that opening is there. You know, I find the biggest problem when one or the other, you know, isn't willing to explore, you know, and they just, like that, you know, is a telltale sign. And, you know, even when I work with singles who are, or people that are in relationship and that, like, you know, that's like the first quality to look, test out, 
really. Yeah. It's like, can I have an honest, truthful conversation? What happens when I tell the truth to this person? Mm. Right. And uh, how do they respond? And, you know, if I talk about, you know, things growth oriented, how do they respond? Is there an openness? So that's, that's, I, I think I that's a really that. helpful like tool, like, or tip for people to like, look for in their partner, or if they're not in a, like a marriage yet to, to be a, like observant for in their partner. Mm -hmm. I think you just fundamentally need to understand probably two things. One marriage is really hard and it takes a lot of work yes. and like pretty much almost inevitably you're both going to go through a lot of changes. So who you married probably is going to be a different person in five, 10 years. That's just yeah. a reality. They still have their it. same, like, yeah, like, of course, but I mean, I think both of us do like, you know, yeah. like yeah, base but, quality, but, but yes, but values change, motivations change, like focus changes. And like, I, I think to her point, like if you're not open, open to, to growth, it, you're yes. like, well, that's not who I married. Like, I want you to be that person. Probably like a never ending cycle, mm -hmm. right? Or a, a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. No, I, 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 you know, and, and I think sometimes it, What's challenging is when that pattern's been allowed to like, because, you know, some families will say like, or, you know, couples will say like, well, we stayed together for the kids. We managed okay. But yeah, those patterns cool. got so deep that it's really hard for them to even imagine that they could get out of it, you know, yeah. that, it, that it could mm -hmm. be different. And, but I've seen it happen. It, it is possible. Um, yeah. But you do have to, you know, do some then excavating of what what just happened for this last chunk of time right. you know to get yourselves back on track because i do bring people back to like what they liked about each other when they met you know because yeah. you know yeah. and what attracted you to each other both it's going to show you know some of the patterns that might you know have evolved but it's also gonna you're, you're kind of reminded like yeah like there's a lot i really like like about you and those yeah. qualities are still there i just haven't Let's see more of that. <laughs> yeah. Hey fam, if you are listening here, then you may be someone who deals with chronic overwhelm, bloating, anxiety, and weight you can't lose, maybe hair loss or skin conditions. If one of those things rings true for you, the Wellness by Kelly Health and Hormones course is available to help you get to the root cause and solve the issue in a way that's sustainable and gives you your lifestyle with lasting results. No more diets or quick fixes, but real health and vitality for the long run. My course runs through everything from what labs to test for, to what protocols to implement given what's off in your blood work. We cover a variety of hormonal imbalances and how to heal them, plus the mindset work that you'll have to do to change your habits. If you're ready for an environment where you can learn the tools and truly heal to feel your best, most aligned, light, confident version of you, then this course is for you. If you're feeling called to join the WBK Health and Hormones course, head to the link in the show notes to learn more where you'll get my membership included with your purchase. We said, you know, when we get in a relationship, we don't really think about like our, you know, our childhood or, or, or what informed how we act. We don't really think about our mother code when we get pregnant either. I know I didn't. Um, it's kind of just like instilled in you. And I think that for a lot of us means that like when we become moms, we can succumb to a lot of different pressures. For someone who hasn't necessarily worked on their intuition or worked on their own self-connection, mm -hmm. when they become a mother and they don't intuitively know how to parent, what is your first kind of 
opening to them? Like, what do you, what, what do you yeah. advise them to do? I think it's something women yeah. are really afraid to talk about. Like, I'm just supposed to know how to do this. Like, you know, I, yeah, um, I think that like every, everybody's like, Oh, read this book, take this advice, look on Instagram, see this person, how she's doing it. And it's like, wait, what is my, like, what is mine? And yeah. what is my mother code? And how do I want to be a mom? So like, where, yeah. Yeah, where do you start with that? Yeah. Well, we start by even acknowledging that, that that's you know, there. like that, right. <laughs> that that's there and that that's possible Yeah, because it's so inundated, you know, with ourselves to just even step out of that thinking for a moment, like, oh my God, everybody's doing it better than me. Or uh, how do they all know what they're doing? Mm -hmm. You know, well, you know, we don't. And so in many yeah. ways, right. We're all kind yeah. of trying and, and that's become even more evident and it's weird because we see other people parenting and mothering, um, you know, through social media, but we don't live in their you know, life tribes and villages. And, you know, we're actually like seeing each other or getting help from each other or that we've yeah. been around, you know, I mean, that's had a big impact on, on the fact that we're, it's, it's not so self-evident, you know, as, as it was for, you know, eons of years when you all live together and everybody's, you know, you're, you're watching everybody around you like do this. Um, but we don't have that, you know, we just have, so it, it's incumbent on us to like, it, it, you said, start making some of those choices for ourselves, Right. And, you know, we'll not the risk of being totally repetitive. It's, <laughs> it is start. It is the easiest thing to start looking at is like, well, when I look at other people online or, you know, somewhere else or my friends and how they're doing, you know, what, how do I feel about that and how they're, how they're doing? What do I, what do I like? What, what do don't I, I like? like? Yeah. What do I agree with? What don't I? And start formulating my own values, which can then lead to, you know, setting my own vision for myself, you know, as a, a mother. And, and we worked on that as a couple as well, but, um, you know, as, as a mother. So then I have myself to compare to before I start, you know, comparing and because we're, we're very much in a culture of looking outside of ourselves for experts for, yeah. you know, the, the social media and, you know, but how, how do I you know, feel? So that first, yeah. How do I feel? And, and getting and starting to get in touch with emotional responses. We're also, we haven't touched on this part. And I know we had touched on this aspect as well as, you know, getting reacquainted uh, with our emotional selves and yeah. that aspect of ourselves, because that has a lot of information for yeah. us. We're run by them way more reactively than we're aware um, so it's something we want to start harnessing for ourselves. Like, Ooh, you know, how do I feel when I, you know, hear that or see that, or, you know, do I feel some joy when something just happened in my interaction, you know, with my child, like, I want to do more of that, you know, right. we can start tuning in a little bit more. I don't know if that was specific enough, no, but it's, it's a place to start. That's really helpful. Um, I think that it really like the whole comparison thing always goes back to like tuning out because I see it in so many of my clients, whether it's with their bodies yeah. or with how they are as mothers. And it's like, it always goes back to, okay, well, what are you confident in, in yourself? Like, mm -hmm. and how do you feel, or is that aligned with you and your values? And so knowing what those values are and knowing like what makes you feel a certain way. But I think that what a lot of people struggle with is like actually slowing down enough to recognize how they feel. Um, yeah. and so like, is there any like sort of tangible advice you would give to someone? Like, I want you to meditate. I want you to write about how you feel. I want you to 
sit in a room and like, think about how you feel, but like uh, so many people are, I mean, even in my, with my own clients, like it's like a struggle for me to like, get them to have self-awareness around how, how they feel. No, it is. And, you know, uh, unfortunately that was a big part has became a big part of our programming. So yeah. early on, right. Like what, what emotions were okay. What weren't most of them at, at any big level are supposed to be muted or, you know, that, that whole thing. And, um, and this, I always like to start people with a practice of, I use five primary emotions. Like there's, you know, people can come up with a little bit different sets, but I use five primary emotions, fear, hurt, anger, sadness, and joy. So right from the start, like just, you know, you write those down and you, you'll notice you have reactions to that. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait, like for like only one of them is a good emotion. Yeah. Right? So immediately <laughs> uh, we get to see our bias and, and how we just even think about like, you know, we're only all supposed to be happy. Right. So just that's a start just to explore how you feel about, um, you know, those primary emotions. But then a, a practice that you can start in, you know, right away is, you know, whether it's with yourself or as a couple or even as a family, because we would do this at dinner time. Um, and actually, my daughters are grown and we we still bring it in um, and they still roll their eyes. But then everybody's happy we did it. We call it the feelings game. And, you know, everybody gets an opportunity to share their day, but from those five emotions, where did I feel afraid today? You know, where, where did I feel hurt? Uh, where did I feel anger? Uh, where did I feel sad? And where did I feel joy? And it's just ends up being such a richer conversation than how was your day? And, you know, I'm going to rattle off some logistics about my day. It's like, um, you know, and sometimes people are like, uh, that I don't mean to make that also sound super simple. Like when you haven't been used to identifying where you've been hurt in a day, that might take some time. To, yeah. But we're, we're feeling those a zillion times throughout the day. We just haven't started tuning into it. I love that. Cause you're also creating this like safe space within your family to right. start to feel those emotions. If you're someone who hasn't necessarily. Yeah. So, that. The, so this beginning is just to name them. Right. And yeah, and like put a, 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 a label to the, these things that we felt today. And I know you, you two have two, you know, quite young ones, but we would start doing it with them when they were really young. So they just started, you know, as they got more and more language, um, but they, they, they gravitate to it. Like they get it. Yeah. It's always amazes me, you know, like how easy it is for them to access things like that. I love that. I do. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I feel like one, I'm not most worried about it. One of the things I'm most uh, like drawn to, or I, I feel like I'll be most diligent at, or what I think is really important, or perhaps the most important is teaching your kids how to identify and handle all the different emotions right. and not 100%. try to just escape them from, you know, those four you listed and try to bring everything to like a place of joy, which is somewhat of a thing in our culture, in my opinion. And it's really- important. Yeah, well, you can't even- have that joy like really we we have this false belief that we'll just get rid of those and have that joy but there, it's a continuum yeah and you know if yeah. the more we're willing to feel our pain and sadness the more we can actually experience actual yeah, joy 100 yep. yeah yeah and there's a there's a big difference there and yeah our i mean we just had a time together as a family and it, believe me it wasn't 
remotely like perfect and there was some yeah. you know uh, some definite dynamics and you know even as self-aware as as you are like it's there but then we've had some great conversations after that and and uh you know like when you have those tools like you can you're still going to get in it all you know it doesn't keep you from you know even falling into the you know defensiveness or this or old behaviors and and whatnot um when you're with family and i say that because you know, when you as a couple bring your kids to your families, it's like, you know, you know, the, the uh, craziness that that sometimes can be. But so the more equipped and aware we are, the more than we can kind of regroup and have conversations about it. But it's something, you know, our kids will say now, even though they'll still roll their eyes about the feelings game, they're like, so grateful that they have yeah the social emotional intelligence that they do. Yeah. yeah. And that was... Absolutely. I feel like it's somewhat of a fallacy for, for parents and families to think that like they're the only ones that deal with issues yeah. and when they get together. There's always these things. No, I like I that's why I like love being honest about like even like having this podcast and talking about the fact that like we came to see you. And it's like, is our marriage like horrible and like falling apart? No, but like could we have mm. used help? Like absolutely. And like that's why we did it. And I think that like one of the, you know, most challenging years for us was when COVID started. And I mm -hmm. also like we became parents and like I started a business and like I said yeah. at the beginning, it was just so much change all, all at once. Um, <laughs> and so I think that like being open and vulnerable to other people about that kind of stuff allows them to say like, oh, hey, I could ask for help too. Or, hey, I could, you know, yeah. but um kind of like to tangent off that question off of that um statement my question would be like for women i think that i don't know if i'm alone in this but having the first child like for me was a much harder transition than having mm -hmm. the second one and i i don't know i would love your opinion on it do you think it's because of the cultural social expectations that are put on us as women or is it because of the pressures like from our own mother code that we put like that we haven't necessarily rewritten that we put on ourselves. Cause like my mom, you know, she was like, she is like the best mom ever. She was like the room mom with all the homemade snacks. When we came home from school, like everything that you could ever desire. So, or is it a combination of both? Yeah. I th yeah. To answer your question, it's yes. And yes, you know, like yeah. it's um, yes, there are differences. And I, I think based on, so overall, like, I think I could say generally like the, the transition to a first child is it's, you know, there's nothing like it, right? Yeah. Everybody's going into transition. the unknown. Yeah. Everything's unfamiliar. It's brand new territory. And, you know, and, and then that, you know, child gets to feel like, you know, the pressure of that, you know, it kind of ripple yeah. effects. Right. Um, cause you're the oldest, aren't you Kelly? I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that would kind of make sense that it's like, yeah, you know, that's kind of how it is that, you know, that first one, like, I can get in there, we can do this. Um, but the, pr the pressure of that first one is, sorry, I misspoke that. It's really more as that firstborn is like how much you were wired to have to do it right. 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 And, um, you know, and do it well and without any training and you're just supposed to know and, <laughs> Uh, we're, you know, that's just, it's just supposed to happen. And just like everything else I've been successful at, I have to be successful at this, but you know, what does success even mean? And, and that goes back to the the topic that we were just talking about. Like for me, 
first was challenging and, and definitely had its like transition challenges. Two was like, two put me over the edge. Yeah. You know, it was, I, I had two months of like, I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to survive, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I think it is a little <laughs> bit different, you know, for everybody. I don't know how that couple like had two and three and like felt like it was a breeze and four is now the big one. So I think there's certain differences based on our wiring, you know, and then having this like, you know, what in our culture would look like super mom, Mm-hmm. you know, is, is then worth, you know, in the rewriting of the code, like, okay, she did that great, but you know, what was the cost of that to her and how did she feel about doing that? And, you know, I think we dug into that a little bit, you know, and we got started on kind of that exploration of, yeah. you know, it's easy to kind of, you know, glorify, you know, that aspect. And we want to appreciate yeah. because you got benefit from that. And, you know, there's also a, a whole lot of other dynamics going on at the same time. Right. And so you want to look at the whole picture, you know, before we judge ourselves and think that's the the best way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell everyone this, I, I say zero to one is exponentially harder than one to two. So yeah. I, I don't know what three or four is like. I imagine four is going to be challenging, a little older, a little tired, but yeah, it's just such, it's so unfamiliar. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. I think something you said earlier really stuck with me and something I've always believed in. I just, I think it is somewhat unnatural how we raise kids these days. Like you're not yeah. in a village and you're not in a situation where you're seeing all these things and you have all this like help, help, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, uh, it, it's really challenging. I think, I think single moms, especially are some of the most oh my gosh, yeah. amazing people ever. I, I just don't I mean, even understand how they, <laughs> let alone like how they stay sane and all the other things. So I think that's one of the things that for like, that I hear from my own clients that I hear from my friends is like taking care of ourselves and like Mm. asking, having like the confidence and like self-worth to ask for help. Um, so that you can take care of yourself. How do we start to unwind that programming? So we start to feel like we actually deserve it. Or are yeah, we selfish for a, taking care of ourselves in the first place? Right. That's this myth that's been, and you know, we have to first, the first thing we have to do is have compassion, but like, yeah. this has been something that's been wired generationally and in cultures for thousands of years. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to, you know, use the word masculine, feminine values, masculine, feminine, but values. And, you know, uh, we're in a, we've been in a long stretch of a patriarchal culture and women's role. I mean, we've come so far, but you know, we're still just, just coming out of like that. Our, our purpose on earth as women is to have and raise children. Like that's it. You know, if you don't do that, you kind of like, yeah, don't even need to be here. Right. I mean, it's, it's a reality that's, you know, isn't as strong, but that we, we, you know, we feel it and it's, it's unconscious. So some of what I, you know, have women do is like, do, you know, honestly, a a history lesson and understand the culture that we, that we stand in and how, yeah, one, we're not alone. And two, you know, this has been passed down. So any movement we make toward acknowledging that, you know, it's not selfish. As a matter of fact, you know, it's, um, imperative and necessary and um you know we can tell ourselves all that but we have to you know start practicing it in like you know small ways and you know people that are seeing you for coaching you know are doing that in a way like that's something they're taking time to do and you know the couple you know when you set aside time to be with yourself and 
any of the forms are good, you know, just getting out for a walk and meditating or, you know, anytime you're taking to nourish yourself, but mm-hmm. you know, that inner exploration um, as you're going through all this is one of the, you know, the most long, long-standing, long-term benefit um, ways of self, you know, self-mothering, self-care that we can do. Yeah. I think for me, once, once we had kids, you start to realize how, critical and like almost spiritual like that time with yourself is and like you really got to be diligent about what you use it for and yeah time together is amazing time with your kids but like again it's challenging you got to really like wake Mm. up early you got to carve out time Mm. for these type of things yeah yeah i'm a visual person and someone um you know gave me this visual once where if you think about a tree and you know the uh, the health the healthiest trees have the healthiest core right so if you think of yourself as that core you know like that being in the best shape possible and then you know your partnership from there and then the family which so counters you know our our culture it's like no like you know you focus on the child once you have a child and you know you're out here but you know then that tree can withstand winds it can you know because that core Mm -hmm. is so solid so thinking of yourself as that solid core and how do I nourish it? How do I give it the nourishment it needs to stay healthy, right. strong, you know, yeah. both emotionally and physically? Um, it, it makes that kind of, it, you know, it's it's a protective measure to like help you like through the tough times because yeah. we're all going to have them. Yeah, I like that. So what are the, some of the things that you do? Your kids are older now, so in a different period than us, certainly, but mm-hmm. I'm sure you've utilized the same tips mm-hmm. and strategies and, and and things you do on a daily basis to keep yourself grounded like what are some of those things if you don't mind sharing it's always a topic of interest for our listeners to be yeah no absolutely and um you know if I even like look at my day today it's like I, I have a big writing assignment that's due in a week so mm-hmm. you know I got up early to work on that but I before I started writing you know I I did a little meditation and a yeah. little breathing but I didn't want to spend too much time on that. So I, I, I held the writing as kind of a meditative space and, and then I worked out, you know, and then I spent time on like other work stuff. Um, and then, you know, I had time where I went for a walk and took some more time for myself. So kind of that in and out and getting ready for this podcast, you know, reviewing the material, but then I'll, I'll draw a card, which I did before. And it, I'll share it with you. It's from the Divine Feminine Tarot deck. And I loved it because it was called the Cosmic Egg, the Divine Mm -hmm. Feminine. I hold the universe within me and I'm a force of ever-expanding love. So, you know, anywhere where we can kind of infuse, but I also had my own personal coaching session today, you know, and and that, you know, was part of my day. So, you know, seeing where we can like structure and weave in all the like little things through the day and big things like, you know, my own session, um, and and then I'm in better shape to come here, you know, and yeah. hopefully, you know, to be with you. And Hold space we had a wedding call and... before this and, you know, and, yeah. you know, the, a whole range of activities through the day that I, I needed to take care of myself. I wanted to. It was it was fun. <laughs> I like how you kind of showed both like pieces of it. Like it could be as small as drawing a card mm-hmm. and like having that micro moment. And it could be as big as doing a workout or having a meeting with your coach, like it can look different 
throughout the day. And some days there will be more and some days there will be less. But as long as you're focused on the consistency of it, that's all. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. The big one. And then when you get off track, you know, because the holidays, you know, things are going to happen where, you know, or travel, just something that throws you off, like kind of your routine. It's like not to beat yourself up, but then it's like, okay, well, I just got to get, you know, yeah. we'll start back up. It's not a reason, you know, your mind is going to kind of say like, ah, oh, see, like, yeah. Or you blew it, forget it. You know, there, <laughs> we, our mind chatter can like really do a number on us in that form. Um, so just watching out for that and then, you know, good pick back up. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really helpful. I think that this has been such an informative episode. So thank you so much for oh my your gosh. time. Like I um, said, I'm so grateful to be here. Yeah. Tell us a where... treat. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> where can our listeners, if they want to learn more on, you know, relationship coaching with you or coaching right. on their mother code, where can, where can our listeners find you? Yeah. Best place is my website, Dr. Dr. Gertrude Lyons, um, dot com. You know, I, I do show up some on Instagram, um, and I'm there. Uh, I would say I'm on LinkedIn also, you know, if you just search Dr. Gertrude Lyons, you'll find me in all those places. I'm, I am doing a retreat down here in Mexico in the spring. So a huge like self-care thing for women. It's all about self-mothering and, and, uh, celebrating the spring equinox. So you can find information about all that and coaching with me, um, on my website or just reach out <laughs> anyway, any, any of those ways. I love it. Amazing. We will link you, um, your website in our show notes as well. So thank you so much Yay. for being with us. It was great seeing you. you. It was a great conversation. I know. Good to see your thank face. You too. <laughs> We really hope that you enjoyed that episode. You can follow me on Instagram at Wellness by Kelly. And if you're new around here, you can sign up for the WBK seven day free trial where you can get access to all of my low impact workouts, blood sugar balancing, plant-based recipes, and guided meditations all available on wellnessbykelly.com and on the WBK app. Hey, thanks for listening. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also connect with us on social media at Wellness by Kelly. Drop us a DM for who you want to hear from.